0: Hello, and welcome to the Embracing Discomfort podcast. This episode, we're going to be talking about embracing vulnerability, opening up to growth and connection. We're going to have an interview with someone I've had the pleasure of working with over the last year or so and that will share their experiences with embracing vulnerability by opening up to growth and connection. So on the topic of vulnerability, a lot of you have probably heard of Brene Brown, and she is a vulnerability expert. And so to start this episode off, we are going to dive in just for a minute to what vulnerability is, but I highly encourage you, if you want to explore that topic further, Brene Brown is the expert. Go check out a lot of her material. She also has a podcast, but I think for today's purpose and to help highlight some of the content in the interview, it's important that we understand and define vulnerability first. So, first, the dictionary or Google definition of vulnerability is that it's a state of being open to harm, damage, or exposure, making individuals or systems more prone to risk or attacks. For this episode, we're really going to focus more on personal and interpersonal contexts. So, obviously, related to an individual. But how that vulnerability starts to play a significant role in fostering your connections, your growth, your emotional well being. We'll get into authenticity and trust, emotional intimacy, empathy and connection, personal growth and resilience, and overcoming barriers. A lot of that will be covered in our interview, but just to get a feel for all of that. We're going to just hit these one by one really quickly. So, authenticity and trust, although they are related, they are different. You have vulnerability, which allows an individual to express their thoughts or emotions or insecurities openly, but you also have authenticity, which to me, starts to really help create that foundation. You have to have both, but it's also extremely important that you have the authenticity piece, which is that genuineness. It helps to encourage honesty and deepen that connection. Then emotional intimacy. You're able to share your fears, your hopes, your struggles, and it creates an environment where you have that empathy and understanding and support and you start to create that ecosystem where those things can flourish then you have empathy and connection a lot of you already have an understanding of what that is but it it, how it plays a part in opening yourself up to vulnerability is bridging that gap between people because it starts to encourage that understanding and compassion Then you have that personal growth piece with resilience. So acknowledging and addressing the vulnerabilities is what helps drive a lot of that. And then overcoming barriers, which I think is also part of building up resilience and personal growth. That's going to encourage you to have those dialogues, to promote things such as active listening, which is extremely important, and then help navigate whatever conflicts you're facing or resolve any misunderstandings and just overall start to build on healthier relationships. Okay. So now we're on the embracing podcast section to where we're interviewing the one, the only mm-hmm. Andrew, Andrew, thanks for joining us. Howdy. The goal of this section is to interview you about your own experience with personal growth through embracing vulnerability and walk through the journey with you.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you, Sarah, for having me on. Looking forward to talking a little bit about this topic. I think it's an important topic.
0: Very. I'm
1: excited. I'm in a safe space, you know, so I'm ready to go.
0: That you said that. Yeah. So you feel you could be vulnerable with me.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think I can be vulnerable with you. Kind of understand each other.
0: Quick question before we dive into mm-hmm. your journey: What do you think has been the key to us developing that?
1: That's a good question. Uh, from the very get go, we've always had this desire. I think to be authentic and, and real about how we approach our work, how we go about our business every day. And I don't know. I just I've always felt comfortable uh, saying, hey. I need you to do this or, hey, do it that way. And I think you feel comfortable with that with me as well. I think part of it is just kind of recognizing that we have a similar mindset. And then from there, as we kind of form uh, in our working relationship and on a team, that level of trust goes up, um, you know, really great things can happen. So how how did that happen? I think it's a lot of times a lot more natural than maybe what we get a credit for. We just kind of see it. But I think it's probably why it's good that we go through these kind of exercises, right? We kind of think through, well what is it? Right? How how do other people see me? How 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 do I come off, you know? Am I really open? Am I approachable? Am I vulnerable? Am I authentic? Whenever somebody is like that, I think they're I think you know who they are. So, I felt that very early on. I've often told you about you came in for the interview to work for this company and uh, I don't even know why I was there, but I was there. <laughs> but I was there, and there was this moment when you uh, did this like little role play of an investigation or something. You like turned the you turned the chair sideways, and then the chair next to you, you turned it like it was facing you, and you like had this dialogue with this ghost or something. And I just thought, hey, you know, like Sarah's like a, a real authentic person. Like she's not afraid to like be yourself. and that was really appealing. I thought that was really cool.
0: You. Do you know that I had no idea that I had done that until you mentioned it and you mentioned it like several months ago. So I've been here over a year and yeah. I was like, Oh wow, that's really embarrassing. But obviously I felt comfortable in the moment to be able to do that, right.
1: which right. I
0: think said a lot about my interview panel and who I was interviewing with. Mm. That I felt kind of what you said in the beginning, I felt safe. right, And the ability to be myself. I don't know that I've ever done that in another interview, yeah. Um, but I love that you caught on to that. That is
1: hilarious. Yeah. 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 Key word there, safe. I'm re- really happy you, you said that. I think, uh, I don't know, when you think about what you want in your relationships with people, and uh, as I navigate and kind of refine my, my philosophy on working with people, et cetera, et cetera, I keep coming back to that being safe, making people feel safe, right? I don't, I don't agree, you, you, you show me any person and I'll, I'll show you a way to disagree, right? It's just a given. So I think once you can accept that, you can say, okay, how can I focus on this relationship being a place of safety and a place where we can disagree? Not everybody wants to play ball and, well, and do that, definitely. right? But when you find people that, that do, and I find that that's more common than not, especially when the trust level gets higher, Um, The depth of your relationships are better. Your effectiveness as a team goes up quite a bit. Uh, There's just a lot of good things in the workplace, but also in your personal life. Thinking about safety. So I know that's kind of a soft, soft topic right there, right? But um, I do think it's important, no matter how you view people, uh, you want them to be comfortable with you, right? And I feel like each individual bears some level of ownership on making sure that they prioritize that, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like if our relationship's not working out, the first place I have to look is at me. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? What am I doing? And um perhaps uh somebody who's listening to this is completely perfect and there's nothing to look at. But I think if we look in into ourselves we'll find that there there are opportunities to, to work on how we create safety with one another, psychological safety, right? Relationship safety, wh- whatever we want to call it, right? But if we all prioritize that, it's amazing what can happen. If we prioritize that in an interview setting, you get a really cool interaction where you flip the chairs around, right? So it's kind of cool. I don't really know where I'm going with all that, but I just thought, hey, um, I think there's something to that.
0: I think so. Well, and I like that you bring that up because... The goal of this podcast, as you know, and hopefully our listeners know by now, is for us to be able to walk through what we've experienced through our own experiences in hopes that those individuals can use that in their own situations or learn from it. Right. Because as human beings, I think that the majority of the time we learn through failure. And to your point exactly, there has to be self-reflection and kind of a self-inventory first mm-hmm. to really identify what was my part in the situation. Right. And then by looking through that lens and being honest with yourself, which you have to be open to doing that and not everybody is. That's what helps with that personal growth. Right. And to the point kind of coming back to what this episode is about is there has to be that opportunity for vulnerability and you have to be willing to take it. And once you do that, that's hopefully, you know, given several factors that have to go along with it, that's hopefully where you start to build that relationship with that person. Yeah. And to touch on what you said earlier, it has to be organic and it has to come natural. It Mm -hmm. can't be forced or it's not going to work. Right. So in the spirit of that, is there any, you know, personal growth experiences where you've embraced (laughs) vulnerability and what did you learn through that journey?
1: Well, um, let me just maybe back up for a second. You know, I think for a long time, the word vulnerability, at least in my experience, has always had kind of a negative connotation. It's associated with weakness. If I think about a structure and that structure is vulnerable to high winds, like, I don't want to be in the, the trailer when the, when the tornado comes through, right? And so people naturally uh, want to hide their weaknesses and their perceived vulnerabilities, right? And so w- whenever they hear a topic like this, they think, oh, well, you know, gosh, like, that's not something I want to do. I want to focus on my strengths. I don't want to talk about weaknesses, Right. But again, if, if, uh, if we embrace this idea of vulnerability, right, and kind of this higher idea that we're talking about, we're not just talking about your weaknesses, right? What we're talking about is having, there's a lot of things that have to go together. There has to be this idea of humility and self-reflection. There has to be a desire to understand yourself and show that authentic self and and it's it's from that position that people can begin to relate to you right i think it's what we're getting at here is is saying i have a struggle here i've i've had this bad situation come up and here's what i learned about it and uh, a lot of times we use that to relate to one another and to build empathy in our relationships and showing vulnerability or having this idea of vulnerability in mind is part of how we get comfortable with that, right? And we can have a deeper relationship. But also, I think like if you're a leader, right, and you're and you're in a position of authority, I would think that from a very early age, uh, depending on how you were raised and 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 what your views of society are and things like that, you don't typically associate vulnerability with position of authority. Like Donald Trump, okay, like position of authority is the president of the United States. He's like the king of not being vulnerable, right? For sure. And this isn't a political thing, I know, but you know, there's there's good and bad things about him. But my point is, is that as soon as a vulnerability is exposed for somebody like that, their reaction is to immediately fight back. It's a defensive posture and it's like, hey, you're fake news now. That doesn't work well. People question like, well, who is this guy and what is he really about and what does he really stand for, right? That's an extreme example. But in our own ways, we also have the same choice. We can either fight back when a vulnerability is shown or we can embrace vulnerability, right? And it's to say, yeah, here it is. And so therefore... In that moment, I'm recognizing the fact that I need you or I need other people. I need community to be successful. I'm not going to do it on my own. Right. And there's a humility there that, that 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 shows. And I think from there, people are like, oh, OK, that's authentic. I respect that. I can get behind that. And um, and that's really important. OK. So that's a little bit of my philosophical stuff. Sorry about that.
0: No, I love it.
1: You want to talk about me? In my, in my own personal experience, what I would say is that I was raised to be a high achiever. That was very important. And it was, it was difficult for me because I'm not the smartest guy in the room.
0: You're always one um, of the smartest guys
1: in no. five minutes. So. <laughs> uh, you're, you're kind, but you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not the top of the class. I'm not any of those things. Um, so whenever you have expectations like that and they don't meet reality, I think for me it was always kind of the struggle of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Okay? So probably one of the earliest things I could think about whenever it comes to having to overcome this vulnerability, if you will. So growing up uh, in the fifth grade, I I had a a choice. I could could join art class or I could join the band. And honestly, uh, I thought I would join art class, but my parents were in the band. My dad played in the band. My mom played in the band. And so I just thought, well, I probably should too, because they did. It's kind of weird. I was more interested in like drawing things and whatever. Well, as it would turn out, I had a knack for for playing playing music, and I was pretty good at it.
0: What instrument, may I ask?
1: I played the trumpet. Okay. And um, I was, uh, you know, throughout time, I was always uh, one of the top chairs. You know, usually first or second chair in just about every honor band I was in. I was in the All State Honor Band. Uh and I pretty much paid for most of my college tuition by playing in college bands as a trumpet player. Wow. Right?
0: Yeah. I did not know that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. You know,
1: it was just kind of a an accident. Uh, but the moment I picked up a, a it was a cornet, you know, which is a little different than a trumpet. Um, I was able to just play, you know. So it was really cool. What does this have to do with vulnerability? Because of these perfectionist tendencies, high achiever expectations, it was difficult for me to go into like a, an audition to be in one of these honor bands or an audition for a music scholarship because I knew what level I could play at, but because I knew that I needed to be that, I needed to be perfect, right? Yeah. You see where I'm going? mm uh-huh it would just freak me out. You know what I mean? Because all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm really not that good. I'm going to, there's this one part in this, in this solo, like it's really hard and I'm going to mess it up. I just know it will. And of course, like you manifest that and all of a sudden, boom, you mess up, you know? And so there's kind of this flip side, right? A lot of times when we think about vulnerability, we think about like, you know, pride, and a willingness to like keep things like close to the chest and not be open and exposed. Right. right. But there's this other side of the coin. I think yeah. if you'll follow me here to where like, I think perfectionists come, come along, perfectionism comes along and it, and it creates what we call this imposter syndrome today in 2023. Right. Yes. Um. It's this false humility. It's this, uh, this lack of self-confidence, right? Because uh, maybe you are somewhat self-aware, right? But you don't want to show that, right? So that, I think, is just a different angle of looking at vulnerability in my journey, right? So when I think about it, I think like, well, how did I overcome that? You know? And um, I don't think I ever did until later in, in adulthood. Right. I think it was, it was finally getting out of, out of that and not, and not, um, being in a situation where I had to perform, but it was more of like saying to myself, you know what, you're good at this and you can do this and messing up is okay. Right. It doesn't mean you're a bad trumpet player if you mess up a note, right. Right or if you don't play better than somebody else, right? This is your path and this is where you're going. And so instead of uh, thinking about always having to be in first place or always having to be a high achiever, just focus on being the best version of yourself, right? Mm. And then from there, it was like, oh, well, now I see people who are in this band as peers of mine and and friends, not people I have to beat. And all of a sudden now I can talk with them and be like, man, I'm really nervous today. I hope I do well. I hope you do good too. And it just changes how you view yourself first. And then all of a sudden you you see other people in a different light and in a better light, right? You see the new person at work as somebody who you were at one point and you didn't know how this organization works or what the norms were, or whatever, right? So you, you you learn how to empathize with people. And so I'm probably going a little down a rabbit trail here, so forgive me. I think that was probably one of the biggest things. You know, I'm probably talking like 16, 17, 18 years old, right? Like being like, oh, okay, well, it, it's a different viewpoint, right? And I have to be okay with, with who I am. And so um, I think that was a big one. I'll give you one more short one. You always want to be better than, than what your father was like, right? And every father, for the most part, does this. They compare themselves to what they know. And, you know, there's a variety of fatherhood models in my family. And my dad was a good guy. Uh, he still is a good guy, still living. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um <laughs> you know, he, he had different ideas on how he wanted to, to be a father to me. And so he, he tried to live those out. But one of those things was not really vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, he really emphasized, you know, Hey, I want to be there. I want to participate in life with you. I want to be at all your games or be at all your boy scout things or, you know, support you in your musical endeavors. Like you wouldn't find a dad that'd be more supportive in, the, in that regard. And that's because, my dad grew up uh, without his dad going to things like that. You know what I mean? So that was important to him. As he raised me up, you know, that, that was what was important to him. He wanted to really uh, make sure that that came through, that I felt supported and loved and that uh, he was there for me. But being open with our feelings, being, being vulnerable, like, hey, son, like, uh, I really struggle with this and I want to talk to you about it. Or, hey, here, I learned this in life early. Or a big one. Um, i didn't handle this the right way, uh, right yes and i'm sorry, okay so as as a dad, um, even at young ages now, I think about that, and I think specifically, like like no joke i I think about vulnerability with my sons i'm really I'm really eager to get into the why of things. I think that especially graham's age, six years old, he wants to know why. And as difficult as that is, as time-consuming as it is, more more than anything, I think that um, that's something that's really important for me to say, well, here's why. And here's why I think that's true. And it gives me an opportunity to share an authentic experience of mine, right? And say, I've made this mistake. I've, I've been there. I've done that. Or I've seen this happen. And so... If you want to live in a good way, we say this all the time. It's like our mantra is "live in a good way" in our household, right? I like it. Yeah, I learned I heard that from like this Indian proverb once, and I thought I like that. I am going to live. I am going to stick with that. So we talk about living in a good way. It's 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 our mantra. It's our motive, and that's what I am tr- trying to teach my boys. Like, it's it's up to you to relate to people. It's up to you to 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 be a good friend. You know what I mean? Like, don't expect these things just to come to you. If you want happiness, you have to work for it. Being able to say, I did not do the right thing. I didn't treat you the right way. I lost my temper or I made the wrong assumption. In those moments when you're in a position of authority, go back to that, right? We're not taught to show vulnerabilities, right? We're taught to say it's this way because I say it's this way. Instead of saying it's this way and here's why, and and I'm sorry I messed up on that. That is, to me, a more noble way of interacting with your children or with anybody, as opposed to holding it close with your pride and saying, "I'm, I'm the authority and you will follow, you will submit, you will do, right? It's easy to do and it works for a time. So people choose it, but in the long run, if you want to have a sustainable relationship that lasts your entire life and one that is fruitful and meaningful, it all kind of comes back to this vulnerability. And if two people can share this virtue and understand that it's not about weakness, but understand that it's about being authentic and being real and learning how to empathize with one another and sharing that in a way that recognizes each other's burdens and a willingness to recognize and help, you know, each other through life. I think it's really, it's one of the cornerstones of a good relationship. So um, those are kind of two off the wall examples, right? Playing the trumpet and raising kids. But I would, I would not have had, and and verdict's still off, I'm gonna be successful raising kids, right? Um, <laughs> I
0: think you're doing a great
1: job. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, I wouldn't be able to have you know I, I'll kind of measure my success um, with with children if they grow up, if they live in a good way, and if they still want to be friends with me in adulthood.
0: We mentioned earlier the piece about insecurities and how that relates to vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to kind of touch base on insecurities, how they play a role and how you have found in your own journey to move past that, to have that personal growth and be able to establish those relationships where you've built rapport.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that insecurities, um, are oftentimes the, the, the blocker, maybe for lack of a better word, keeping people from embracing vulnerability. And it's, it's obvious, right? I mean, if I'm going to reveal an insecurity or reveal a weakness, right, it makes me feel insecure. Kind of gets back to you can either hide or fight in order to not reveal. If my insecurities are showing and you start peeking under the hood and you're looking, I could just fight and deflect. And there's all these methods, right, that that keep you from seeing whatever this is about me that I don't want you to see. Kind of the opposite of being vulnerable. I'm vulnerable, but I'm, I'm fortified and I'm keeping you out. Does that make sense?
0: Right. Vulnerable to an extent.
1: Yeah. Or... Um, That's just how I am. Kind of act like it's nothing, you know, like you're ashamed of it.
0: No, that reminds me. So when I was a probation officer, you know, people on supervision, they they come to your office, they talk to you. And a lot of times they're drug tested, especially if drug drug charge was part of why they're on probation. Right. And they will sometimes open up to you because you typically will give them an opportunity before you drug test them. Is there anything you need to tell me? Yeah. And it was always interesting. I would have some people that would be open and willing to tell me, well, yeah, I use marijuana or THC Yeah, smoked me a joint the other day. And you're like, okay, noted. I'm glad that you came forward with that information right. before we took the drug test. And then of course you go through and really gross thing about being a probation officer. Um, typically you have to observe them doing a urine analysis and, you, it's always the same sex, uh, so that you're not. I'm not me as a female observing the male, just as a sidebar. There, <laughs>
1: yeah, that's good. That'd be awkward. Uh, a little bit. Hey, that wasn't in the job description. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but you will find out later as the results come in. Did you have a panel cup? Oh, hey, there's definitely marijuana in there. There's also meth and cocaine. Oh, you can know that quick. Y- you can know that quick. Oh. And so it's, it was always interesting to me what people were willing to disclose before versus mm. what I actually found out. Right. And you're exactly right. It's because in that moment, they don't feel they can be vulnerable with me. And a lot mm-hmm. of times in that situation, right? It's because you could send me to prison. You could take away my freedom. Right. And I'm not willing to go there with you because we haven't been through enough at this point for me to trust you. Right. And so I love that you bring that up um, and just kind of as a real life example in my own experience, what Mm -hmm. I've, what I've had from that standpoint. uh, But I've also had the opposite. You recognize, Hey, I'm glad you came forward to me. Let's get you in some inpatient treatment. Mm -hmm. I need you to say yes to this today because you need help. And obviously if you're coming to me, you're recognizing that. And being able to take that path. Yes. And it's because they, they had a, they developed a trust with me on some level. Right. I don't think anybody truly ever trusts their probation officer <laughs> wholeheartedly. and right. I get that. Right. But to that point exactly, that insecurity that they felt, they were willing to overcome that. Yeah. to bring the issue forward and then seeing that I didn't have this immediate reaction of, "All right, we're putting the cuffs on and we're taking you to the jail cell." <laughs> Instead, we went a different direction that's what started to develop right. that
1: rapport. a direction that would actually be helpful for them, you know, hopefully. hopefully. Um, so it makes me just think like, you know, this, this fight or this, what I am just calling a false humility, maybe there's a better way to say it, you know what I mean? Kind of a downplaying. Oh, it's, it's really not, it's really not a big deal. It's not something I want to show. It's not something I want to talk about versus, hey, I'm going to beat you up because you brought this up. Neither path is, is okay. The sooner we get comfortable with these insecurities, the sooner we have to decide which path we're going to go. And maybe there's a third path here we're talking about that's a higher ideal. you know. And I think that's really why this word vulnerability has kind of been elevated or enlightened a little bit because it's saying that you're self-aware enough to recognize what your vulnerabilities are. You are self-secure enough to be able to reveal those to people. You are empathetic enough to use what you've learned from maybe negative experiences or just the struggles you've had with whatever weaknesses or vulnerabilities you have to empathize with another human being and build relationship. And then ultimately you build trust and connection. And it's like, well, if I come to you, I say, pretty messed up right now. I'm not going to pass your test. And there's enough trust level there, right? I'm, I'm acknowledging what's real. Well, look what happens then. The conversation, which I wish all corrective actions would be this way, right? In, in life is to say, let's do, what's going to get you healthy. Let's do what's going to make things right for you. It may be in, in there, there's a parallel and I'm working through that all of a sudden, if I've got a high trust relationship, you're like, Oh, okay. I see what, I see what this is. And if I see that behavior happening, or if you see that behavior in me, right in this, in this scenario, you're much more willing to say, Hey, I don't know what was going through your head right there, but like it was coming through and you gotta, you gotta think about that. Right. Or, Hey, let's, let's, let's get you some help with this. Right. Or, Hey, I can be a help for you on that or whatever. Take that for whatever it is. I don't know. You know, is the, 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 the net positive, I think what we're talking about here is high trust and very functional relationships come out of this. Right. right. And so, Think about how that, how that works in your lives, right? Whether it's a friendship or whether it's a work relationship or employee and support or manager and subordinate or or whatever, right? Like as soon as you reach this higher idea that we're talking about and you don't stay down at the bottom of the, of the decision tree, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Fight or flight or whatever you want to call it, right? But you decide what the higher ideal is, what is noble and you try to get there and it's hard work getting there and you'll never reach the highest ideals I don't think but we all know what they are I guess I'm kind of like Plato in that way you know (laughs) the forms are there but we will never attain to the form (laughs) whatever but it's in the trying it's in the it's in the journey to get there that we find our best self you know it's interesting today I was uh, um, having a conversation with a, a coworker. you've probably heard me say this quote but I mean like when, when when you're in the fire you're gonna either get burnt up or you're gonna be refined and how you get refined is how you handle all of these things we're talking about your insecurities your vulnerabilities who who you want to be whatever that fire is <clears throat> it will reveal what you're really made of. And let's hope that we're all being refined through anything that happens, you know what I mean? And that it's just a stepping stone to getting even better at who I am. We're going through a tough time right now, right? We've got a lot of uncertainty going on in our workplace, you know? Definitely. And so we have to think about that as the fire. What's it gonna do, right? Well, I think if it's gonna refine you, you've got to get comfortable with your insecurities to get comfortable with who you are and know who you are and be willing to share that and work on that that requires some vulnerability
0: definitely that's a really good insight i think that's with any uncertain situation in life you really have to know you yeah and you have to trust yourself and you and i both know that takes a a long time to develop for anyone but especially I think people that have been burned before to your Mm. illustration of the fire um, or or who have had a negative experience um, where they've tried to be vulnerable. The thing about vulnerability that I think we all struggle with because there are moments where we will be vulnerable and it's gonna backfire. Right, just is, that's life. The goal though, that I think you have to have in mind is you have to keep trying.
1: That's right. If you want to live a fulfilling life, it's just going to be a life full of that, I think.
0: Thanks, Andrew. You're welcome. Let's talk about some tips to help encourage vulnerability. The first, and I think this is always the easiest, lead by example. By being vulnerable yourself, you're helping demonstrate that skill set to someone else, opening the door in hopes that they will also take that step with you. You have to set the example. That's what encourages others to do the same. The second is active listening. You have to practice active listening skills, and you have to practice it often. This is something I've had a lot of practice at over the years, something I still practice to this day. But where I think I really started to refine this skill set is when I was a probation officer, you were typically having very difficult conversations with people that could potentially affect their freedom. So having had that experience, there are a few things I learned that have served me well, to this day the one, and one that I think applies to everyone, focusing on that person in that moment. Putting your phone down. Quit looking at your computer. Quit focusing on things around you. Focus on that person. I have a hard time of going over time because I want to be very engaged in the conversation and I want to ensure that person knows that my focus is on you right now. And this appointment or meeting that we have set aside is just for you. So to help hold myself accountable, at the beginning of a meeting, I will set my smartwatch on a timer. And if say the meeting is an hour long, I will set it for 55 minutes. That way I give myself five minutes to start to wrap the meeting up. It allows me A, the freedom to focus on that person without worrying that I'm intruding on somebody else's time because a lot of times we all have meetings back to back. And so you wanna make sure that if you're focusing on someone, it doesn't come at the expense of another. And it also allows me to pause the conversation if we still need to continue talking that we can set up another time to do that. And that also will tell the person that they matter, that you are invested in what they have to say. And most people understand when you have time commitments with others. That leads into building trust, which is essential for vulnerability. And there's also an, a piece of active listening that I think aligns with creating a judgment-free zone you have to encourage that acceptance and empathy. You cannot belittle or dismiss others' feelings or experiences. And that leads into practicing empathy. And empathy is where you're seeking to understand another's perspective and their emotions and you're validating their experiences and emotions even if you haven't experienced that yourself. Where I think there are some pitfalls Are when I see people, especially initially trying to practice empathy, they're always trying to compare it to themselves and their own experiences, and they will come out and make a statement. Well, I also have experienced something similar and they go into that. That is not the time for it. And that is not what empathy is. You do not interrupt the individual that is trying to have this moment with you by redirecting it towards yourself. And I know the vast majority of these people had the best intentions. But if you can't avoid doing that until you've been able to practice that skill set, just be silent. Sometimes that's all people really want is for you to listen to them and give them that time. So be careful when you're practicing empathy. And then that, all of that is going to lead into encouraging open communication. People are always going to test the waters first to see how much they can share with you before they feel like they're comfortable enough to test the waters a little more. You have to be supportive of that and non judgmental. And it takes time. So you have to practice patience. That's something I'm guilty of, something I'm always working on, but it takes time. It didn't get there overnight. It's not going to be fixed overnight. Thanks for listening to the Embracing Discomfort podcast and for joining me on this journey of growth and exploration. Before we part ways, I have some exciting bonus content to share with you. I know how important it is to put learning into action. That's why I've prepared various recorded audio exercises that will help you stretch your boundaries and embrace discomfort like a pro from exclusive curated music previews designed to inspire and energize you to guided visualization exercises and confidence-boosting challenges. These resources are only available on Spotify, and they're here to support you on your personal growth journey. You can find me on Spotify by searching Embracing Discomfort or check out my blog and pod site, embracingdiscomfort.blog. Remember, Embracing discomfort is a continuous process and this podcast is just the beginning. Keep pushing your limits and exploring new possibilities. Thank you for being part of this journey. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends who are ready to step outside their comfort zones. Stay curious, stay uncomfortable and until next time,